So here we are. This is uh, week number three of May Mission Month as we've spent some time uh, thinking about what it looks like for us to be people on mission every day, uh, what it looks like to have that heart that thinks not just locally but also nationally and internationally uh, as we had Steve share and last week had some amazing people from ASBC share their own stories of mission. Um, and, uh, and today we're going to kind of cap it off a bit. We're going to kind of get this practical because it's one thing to hear stories and it's another thing to do stuff with it. I think about Mother's Day and I think about my own mum uh, and I think about the things that she, uh, I, I suppose, has placed within me that I still uh, carry. Um, I think about the way that she delights in things. She is someone who, uh, when I say that, appreciates the aesthetic value of beautiful things. And it's interesting Right, because that's actually a gift to do that. Right? And that wouldn't be my, probably my natural inclination had it not been for her. I mean, it's very easy to somehow drive past the McDonald Rangers every day and just remember they're there but not stop to appreciate the beauty of them. If you live here a while, the first time you roll up, we pull out it and you go, whoa. And then for some reason, a year later, if you're lucky, you stop and be like, how did I stop being amazed by that, right? And yet I know my mum's someone who would literally be amazed every day. I hope that she hasn't just placed it within me. I hope that I use it. It's funny, when people come into our house and they point out things on our walls like artwork, oh, that's a beautiful bit of artwork. And I'll be like, yeah, my mum gave me that. And what about, yeah, mum. <laughs> Basically, if you look at anything nice in our house, it's from my mum. And it's like, but that is something that she's placed in me and I've learned to appreciate that. I remember even moving out of home and uh, moving away from, from country Victoria, moving into the city, and just simple words that are still so profound. You'll be okay. Now I know that the tone of that can shift and you might those words might mean something different to you, but you know, where's from? You'll be okay. Just that regular reminder of her confidence in me, um, that I have what it takes, you know, and I still remember those words. And maybe you have words that you carry from various people in your life that sink in deep. And it's one thing to have them, again, spoken over you, but it's another thing to actually do something with them, right? Uh, to take that step of courage that's required, knowing that you'll be okay, or to, to do whatever needs to be done. It's one thing to have it. It's another thing to use it. And Jesus' disciples had this moment as well. They'd been spending three years with their, their rabbi Jesus. He'd been giving them a whole bunch of stuff. He'd been giving them authority and teaching and direction and, and words and promises. And he'd be placing that within this crazy group of young disciples. And then he died. And then he was resurrected. But the question was, were they going to take what he had given them and actually do something with it? And this part of Acts chapter 1 is just a fascinating picture of that moment for them. This crux moment where they had to ask the question, are we just going to listen or are we actually going to do something about it? And again, these last few weeks, if you've been joining us at ASBC, you've been given some instruction around mission, maybe you've been inspired, maybe you've been affirmed. So what is next? And that's what we're going to explore today. 
So join me uh, in Acts chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, feel free to turn with me to that. Lovely, different translations, always nice. Something might jump out, but the Holy Spirit work, it's great. Let's get some context, though. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, that's we're talking about Jesus here, after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. I love that phrase, by the way. Just, you know, 40 days, eh, just time to time, he appears. Not hanging out with them all the time. You know, that might be too much, you know. But just from time to time, he appeared. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. This is really important, this phrase, kingdom of God. And if you've been part of ASBC for a while, you know we talk about this a lot. The kingdom of God was Jesus' primary message and ministry here on earth. He was teaching people what the reality of God would be like in its fullness. And when he said the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like this, or you have heard it said this, but I tell you this, what he was doing is he was redirecting people from their current understanding to a deeper understanding as to the heart of God for individuals, for the way we relate to each other, for our relationships to the world. The kingdom of God is where God actually gets what he wants, right? So if God actually got what he wanted in your workplace, that would be the kingdom of God in that workplace. If God actually got what he wanted in the context of church, that would be the kingdom of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the reign and the rule of God actually realized. And so Jesus' message from the beginning, it actually says after he went through the temptation, he began to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. This was Jesus' primary message all the way through the Gospels. And so now that he's died and he's resurrected and death has been defeated, his message hasn't changed. This is really important to understand. The message hasn't changed. He is still teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. He is still saying, disciples, I want you to be these agents that usher in the kingdom of God. In these places where there is chaos, I want you to be the agents of change and bring about God's will and way for this place, for this nation, for your community in all these different places. The message hasn't changed okay and remember this kingdom that jesus talked about was not a kingdom of power and control not in terms of powers in like you know hostile power right there was holy spirit power of course right but it wasn't about power and control and coercion which is what the romans were doing at the time and what people have been subject to this was a kingdom of love and sacrifice and compassion which is what he had demonstrated through the cross. This was about trusting that God holds a story of this world and us being a part of ushering that in. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus was telling his disciples this same message. I'm going to jump over again to verse 6. Then at one of these times they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I actually really love the, the plain English version we had there. It kind of unpacked it. It's like, hey, are we going to overthrow these Romans? Because they're causing us a bit of trouble. Are we going to be the bosses of our land? And I find it super comforting, but also really fascinating that these disciples had been spending all this time with Jesus and been witnesses to all this compassion and love and mercy. And still, even after his death and resurrection, they're like, all right, that's all good. But now when are we going to get the power? When are we going to deal with this Roman situation? When are we going to be in control, right? They're still in this headspace of what does it look like for us to be in charge? If you want to be challenged, we could just substitute a word in there. Imagine if our mentality was, 
okay, Jesus, we've seen your love, compassion. We've heard about your kingdom. We want to bring that. That's really cool. You died, resurrected. Death has been defeated. Fantastic. On board with that. Love that my future is assured. So now, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Christians? When are we going to be the ones in control, right? Because surely that's the best way of bringing about your kingdom and your will is for us to be in control and in the power, right? This is what the disciples were saying. It's so fascinating because this is natural human instinct. We think at a gut level that the best way that we can bring about change, even for someone else, is to be in a position of power. And yet Jesus' whole ministry was not about taking over. It was subtle, undercurrent, sacrificial, revolution from the people who people thought weren't in, right? And so these disciples are like, okay, cool, but now you've got to restore the kingdom to Israel. And I could just imagine just Jesus having this like face palm moment, just like, oh, like have you not been like walking in my dust for like years and yet you're still asking this question? But he doesn't, at least not in the text. Instead, he responds a different way. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the date that the Father has set by his own authority. Now, he doesn't even say that, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> he just says, he doesn't even address that. He's just like, hey, hey, God has got this situation under control, okay? You know, the whole power thing, the whole control, the bringing his will on earth. Don't worry, God's got that covered. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. And so Jesus with his disciples, and of course, when we talk about Jesus and his relation to the disciples, of course, we're also talking about us, right? We're talking about our commission and what Jesus would speak over us. What we see is that he doesn't correct them. He just redirects them, right? Like, okay, if you're in that space right now, that's okay. That's probably human instinct. But, but, but let me just redirect you as to what I really want from you. God will take care of that stuff. And right now we know you're being persecuted, you're under pressure, and that's not good. But let me tell you what your roles and responsibilities are. And he commissions them. You could almost call this a little bit of an induction. If you've ever gone to a workplace and you're trying to get clarity on what my role is, this is essentially what Jesus does. He breaks it down into a few kind of key areas. The first thing he notes is that we need to have some clarity around who is responsible in this situation. And Jesus makes it really clear, you don't need to know the timeline, right? The timeline is not going to be helpful for you. I don't know how you deal with timelines and deadlines. I don't know if you find them helpful or unhelpful. Usually they don't really matter, depending upon our personality, because even if we know a deadline, either we're the person who does it right at the very last point or the person who's like super prepared and then gets a little bit complacent, right? Well, when it comes to mission, neither of those are great, okay? It's like, okay, so apparently it's going to be coming in 2024. Better get my act together. December 30 rolls around. Or we kind of go, I did my bit. And then we kind of get complacent. And Jesus is like, that's not the point. You don't need to know the timeline. God is responsible for the timeline. You have a different set of responsibilities. And what it does is it develops a right heart in us. It develops a heart of dependence. It's like, I'm just going to be depending on God, right? I'm going to do my piece when it comes to being missional, right? And it doesn't have to be for a particular end time in mind. And so he makes it clear whose responsibilities are who. And then he talks about 
what resources we're equipped with. He says, you will be given power by the Holy Spirit. You are not doing this of your own. The Holy Spirit is given to lead us into all truth, yeah, as he says. And so when you're going about doing this kingdom work, as you're inviting people to participate in the kingdom and as you're bringing kingdom impact in these places, it's not just going to be your strength, thank goodness. It's going to be the Holy Spirit at work within you. And you will receive power. And even among this room, I know we're going to have varying perspectives on exactly how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Hey, that's just what we are. We're Alice Springs Baptist Church. But we would all agree that the Holy Spirit is at work. And we need to consistently invite the Holy Spirit to be that voice that works in and through our lives so that we're not operating out of our power but God's power. As Kate mentioned earlier around the vine, that, that sense of going, we need to be fully dependent upon God. And so he clarifies the the responsibilities and where they lie. And then he says, you're going to be resourced. Don't worry, you're not doing this alone. And many people here are like, man, even just the concept of being missional, that that word gives you shudders. You're like, oh, mission. Maybe you've had a bad experience or you've got a particular picture of what that is, right? And Jesus is just saying, actually, what I'm calling you to do is bring about the kingdom, right? I'm going to ask you to break through in maybe even these small ways because what do we talk about the kingdom as? Mustard seeds, yeah? Think about all the different things. He talked about the net, right? This isn't a sword, this is subtle, powerful, potential, right? And God says, with the Holy Spirit's power, you could place that there. And you might just not know exactly what's going to happen, but God holds that story. And he says, don't worry, you're going to be equipped, but then what is your role to be a witness? A witness. Now, what is a witness? A witness is somebody who sees things, <laughs> which feels a bit different. Maybe from the kind of the missional kind of teaching you've heard in the past, and this doesn't mean that we don't carry um, the gospel and we don't make that available to people, of course, I'm not saying that. But a witness, first and foremost, is someone who sees things and points it out, right? That's what a witness does. And so where we see God at work, where we see the good and the true and the beautiful, where we see someone act in a way that is consistent with the kingdom of God, we point it out, we celebrate it, and we point people to where the source of that is. This is exactly what Paul did in Athens. It was basically his kind of approach to mission and ministry, particularly within pagan contexts where there was confusion around where the source of life was, which is very familiar to us, right? He would say, hey, I see you've got a statue to an unknown God here. Let me tell you who is the one who provides the food and the rain. I'm going to point out that you, what you see, the food and the rain. I'm going to tell you what the source of that is. Hey, you know how some of your poets have used these particular lines the same way that we would say, hey, you've heard that song with that particular lyric. I'm going to tell you what that is referring to. And in that way, we become witnesses, right? to what God is doing. But in order to be a witness, we need to be highly attuned to where the kingdom of God is at work. And if we think it's going to come through overthrowing and through power and through status and these things, we might just miss it. But Jesus is saying, hey, you don't need to know the time. You're going to have the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth, but your role is to be a witness, pointing out where the kingdom of God is breaking through. And lastly, he says, And by the way, you know, you guys who grew up in the religious center of Judaism, by the way, you know, these young guys who are kind of like right there in that kind of Pharisaic space, the religious conservatives, that would be the safe place in their day. Oh, by the way, yeah, you're going to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which again was already scary, by the way. (laughs) 
we kind of go, oh, Jerusalem, home turf. For these disciples, that wasn't home turf, by the way. It's worth noting that, right? Their home turf was further north. They were facing up to the Sadducees in Jerusalem, the place where Jesus had been killed, right? So don't think that Jerusalem is the easy one, <laughs> okay? But you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then in Judea, they've gone, finally, home. And then in Samaria, what those guys, <laughs> right? And then to the ends of the earth. And who knows what that meant to them, right? But you've got these circles of influence where you are not going to stay here. You're going to be moving and you're going to be expanding. You're going to be scattering in the best possible way. It's not until chapters later that persecution breaks out in Jerusalem and finally the disciples scatter and start hitting some of these wider circles. But this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying you've got a region. You've got somewhere to be. And it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. And so again, you've got these disciples Jesus is appearing from time to time. He's still saying the same message. You're the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. You're bringing the kingdom of God. God wants his way to occur in all these places. They're saying, yeah, but um, what about us and our power? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what we're going to do. You're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to extend outside your comfort zone. You're going to be equipped. And that stuff where you want to know the answers, you don't hold that. So now it's time. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. I love it. It's just like, this is the final thing. It's just like, all right, you got your job now. I'm out of here. It's a classic, like, throw you in the deep end. Yeah? He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid their, him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky. Can you picture this? Just as I was going, just like trying to work out what's going on. Because Jesus didn't be like, hey, by the way, I'm just about to ascend. Like, this is just kind of happening. They're like, looking up, working around the clouds. Did you see him go behind that cloud? So they're staring intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, of course, whenever we say that reference in white, we're talking about angelos, right, in the Greek, angels, messengers, all right? Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken, uh, has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven, right? Now, let's not get too caught up on Jesus kind of coming down from the clouds. That's not what the point of this here. The point of the message was, what are you doing, guys? Why are you standing there looking at the sky? Like, did you think he was just going to go for a bit of a fly and kind of come back down or something like that? Like, you can just imagine these guys going, like, what do we do now? How, Peter, how long are you going to stay here standing? Uh, you know, like, they're just in this, like, state where they're just looking up the sky and then these angels, these messengers say, okay. Now that you've been given your marching orders, it's time to go, right? Get on with it. You've been given direction. You've been given encouragement. You've been given the Holy Spirit. Now it's time to go. And there's always a danger as Christians, right? That we've experienced the love of God. We experience this beautiful community and we participate as much as we can in the kingdom of God. But we are standing there and we're just kind of looking up at the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back just like the disciples were in that particular moment. It's one thing, right, to know what you're supposed to do. It's another thing to show up. I remember in year 12, um, I, uh, I decided I'd participate in a musical. See, look at me. I'm shelling, sharing you a bit about my life, right? And they're like, what? Yeah, I participated in one musical. It was, um, it was The Sound of Music, and, um, and I was Captain Von Trapp. Yeah. Why is everyone just like, yeah, yeah, yeah? It was great. It was great fun. I'd never done a musical before, but I was in year 12. I thought, why not? So uh, I was Captain Von Trapp, 
Uh, the fact that I got one of the leads probably shows you the quality. But nevertheless, um, uh, I had this butler, Franz, in this, uh, in this musical. And I remember being there on the stage and, uh, and delivering my lines and anticipate him coming out from the side in order to respond to my query. And I had this moment kind of completely in my mind, I'm having this interaction with this person and I, what I'm supposed to do is whistle and Franz is supposed to come out. Um, I wasn't a very nice guy. Anyway, so I whistle and we wait and no one comes. And I'm like, what do I do at this moment? Like this was the show and he doesn't come. So I whistle again. Still not coming. And you could see the person near me kind of going like, what do we do? What do we do? Are we improvising? Like, where do we kind of go from it? He had some significant lines to deliver in order to make sense of the scene. So I'm like whistling, whistling, whistling. And finally I hear this pitter-patter, pitter-patter over this side. It was a bit more like, right? And then he, he slowly walks down the steps. And he's like, yes, sir. And I just remember saying, about time. That wasn't scripted. But what I learned later was that he had been downstairs in one of the green rooms watching the whole thing on the screen, just watching the musical play out. And then suddenly he heard the whistle and it dawned on him, that's my cue. And he began running, running up the steps, running. And this place was like, this theater was like a maze, running up the steps to finally come out in his lovely, formal, breathing a little too deeply form, you know. But this is what can happen, right? We can be caught looking at what's going on, but we don't actually get in on the action. We don't play our part. We leave people hanging, all right? And yet, God's call to us is to be in, to be that kingdom of priests who demonstrate what God is like, to be this force of love and compassion and a healing presence in all those areas of our world. And I get here in Alice Springs, it can be really hard. <laughs> it can be hard. It can be hard and exhausting at times to be that kind of missional influence. It can be hard to love people sacrificially. I get that. And so that's why it's a great reminder to not be like, God's got it sorted. I'll just wait. There's times to rest, of course. There's times to check our pace but we never want to be stuck on the sidelines when God has called us to the actions. The action, shall I say. It wasn't, like I said, well, yeah, that's that question. It wasn't until Acts chapter 8 for these disciples that uh, after the stoning of Stephen, it says that on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. It's really fascinating that it took so long for them to start pushing these circles of missional influence. And that can be the same and true of us too. But let's not get caught just staring into the sky. Jesus has got this. He does, but he invites us in. And so what I want us to do today as I wrap up is I want us to consider what it looks like to take ownership of our primary place of mission, that place where we have the most influence in our week. Maybe this is something you already know, or maybe this is a brand new concept. But you may have noticed that over here, we have a large map. And in the foyer, if you walk down there later, you'll notice that we've got another large map that has the whole of Australia, by the way. 
because here we are in Alice Springs, but we recognize that we send people uh, to be disciples all over Australia too. But I brought this one in for us today. And this is a picture of Alice Springs. We tried to capture as much as we could in a square. Alice Springs isn't square, but we tried. And it kind of, at least on this map, goes all the way up to just past Bunnings, town camp up here, and we've kind of got John Flynn's memorial grave over here, and then we've got uh, the out outer side of the New East side on this side, and down here we've always got Urara College. So pretty good. Quite a lot. And what I want you to do is I want you to consider, hey, where is my main missional influence? Where is it that I seek to bring about the kingdom of God, his way and his desires? in and through my week. Now, if your place is off this map, that's okay. I've got labels for that too. So don't use that as an excuse. But for a lot of us, we're going to be like, you know what? It's my workplace, or it's my home in my family, or it's in my sporting club, or it's in the person that I'm discipling who lives here, or whatever that might be. Everyone's just going to be different. And what I'm going to invite us to do over this next little while and through the next couple of songs is when you feel like you have identified that place of mission, I'm going to invite you, that's right, during church, to come up, grab a red dot, and stick it on the map. I want us as a church to get an understanding of the various places where the church here at ASBC is at work. Now, if you are like, oh, I just can't choose, just put a dot on both. Simple, right? Oh, I can't choose, I'll stay in my seat. Oh, come on. Just put a dot on both, right? These are the places that we want to be praying for. And as a church, we want to be praying for together. We want to see the kingdom break through. So where is it that we need to shift our gaze from? How do we need to stop looking up and actually kind of bring it back down and be like, hey, do you know that God has uniquely placed me here? Who are the people of peace? Who can I be praying for? How can I be a witness to God's activity in this place? It may just be that you can be more missional than you think. It may just be that whatever box you've placed this word mission in needs a bit of breaking. And you just need to take on that commission of Jesus to give to God what is God's, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be a role of a witness, and to go and step outside your comfort zone so the kingdom of God can be realized. So, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give us just a minute or 90 seconds or so just to consider where is my primary place of influence? And then I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to sing some songs. And you may want to sing those songs with them, especially if you've already put your dot up on the, on the map. But don't miss the opportunity to claim the territory that God has placed you. And any time throughout those songs, you just wander up here. Yeah, it's going to look crazy. It's not going to look like a normal worship set. That's fine. That's totally fine. It's all good. God's okay with it. Right? And you just claim that territory. And use it as an opportunity to pray for that space. Because God has placed you there to be his people. Where is your primary place of mission? Let me pray. And then we'll take 90 seconds.
Now, God, we pause for a moment. As people who uh, you love and who you have called. As Ian shared last PM service, you don't need us, but you want us. Because we know that by being your witnesses, God, not only do we share with this world, but also um, we receive. Because we're the people in that moment that you created us to be, to be bearers of good news. And so, Jesus, I want to pray, God, that you would convict us in our heart as to where it is you're calling us to be missional. And we will plant those seeds, knowing that the kingdom of God holds incredible potential in these places to work against chaos and confusion, brokenness, hostility, and bring about your love and your grace, your forgiveness and your hope. In Jesus' name. Amen.